Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University of Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Dr. Catherine Hill. We're going to be talking about mental health, uh, the work that she's doing as a professor and therapist, as well as her entrepreneurial uh, ventures that he, she has been undertaking. So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Citrus, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Dr. Catherine Hill. Hi, everybody. First, thanks to Dr. Will for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you today. So um, as I was just introduced, I'm Dr. Catherine Helm. Please call me Catherine. Uh, I am a uh, professor at Lewis University, where I am the program director for our clinical mental health counseling program. I'm in part-time private practice at the Fox Valley Institute in Naperville, Illinois. And then I also have a consulting business on the side where I consult about um, diversity issues, um, mental health issues, and especially diverse couples. Um, I am getting ready to launch my own podcast called Relationship Conversations and a YouTube channel of the same name. Um, and those are some of the things going on with me. That's all right. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you'll be doing when you were growing up? And what drew you to mental health and specifically romantic relationships? Great question. So when I was growing up, probably about the seventh grade, so my own dad um, was a school counselor, a teacher, a school counselor, um, and uh, he went back to school and became a therapist himself. Uh, he was a Chicago public educator, um, Ch Chicago public school educator, as was my mom. And I think his career path really influenced me because Without using names, he would tell me a little bit about his cases, and I was hooked, right? I was just absolutely fascinated, and I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Now, I didn't realize all it would entail to get there, but I think I just I just fell in love. And then when I was uh, very young, so when I was, I majored in psychology, and then when I was 22, 23, I ended up working in a therapist's office as a receptionist and also in a psych hospital. And that just really solidified what I really wanted to do before going back to grad school. So I want to throw this out there to you because there's one thing to study psychology and yeah. counseling practices. And there's one another thing to actually do it, right? Because, yes. hey, that's a different game. I thought I wanted to be a therapist at, at one time. And then once I learned that therapy is uh, sort of a, a, a journey. Yep. And not a, you do this today. Like a, a, I'm a fixer, right? I don't have yeah. the temperament to just go through a process. Yes. Uh, and so I was like, I got to find something else to do. Uh, 
how did you figure out that you actually had the temperament, the skill set to actually be a practicing therapist? I think I got a chance through my dad to see it up close, right? Like growing up, I got to meet several therapists who he worked with. He he also did it part-time because he taught full-time and it was a full-time administrator. Um, and so I think I got to see what it would look like. And I don't know if you know until you're in the middle of it. So part of you know, um, being an undergrad, I got a chance to be a prayer professional in the counseling center. So I got a really good feel. I sought out different experiences as a young person to kind of dip my toe in the water. And that just really, again, every time I pushed myself to try something new, uh, work at the counseling center, um, work in the field before I went to graduate school, for me, that really solidified what I wanted to do. So um, I also have a specialization in working with couples, and I'm very passionate about that. Um, in the spring, I got an opportunity to do a TED Talk called Revolutionize Your Relationship. A little goes a long way. And, you know, I think one of the things that you just asked me was, how did I get interested in working with couples? And really, my own parents' marriage, they ended up separated, um, you know, and I'm African-American. And like many African-American families, my parents did that generational thing where they never divorced. They just separated. But it, again, I was interested in the why of that. And that, I think, also drew me to psychology because it, it gets you to answer and dig deep into aspects of human behavior. Why are people doing the things that they're doing? What motivates? them, what hurts them, how do we become more resilient, all of those things. Mm. So how did you get started in making moves? Roman University professor, I know you're still doing that, but adding the title entrepreneur to the work that you're doing. Yes, I think it's because I have so many interests. And here's one of the wonderful things about being an educator is we're constantly called upon to create content, right? So when I look at, you know, I'm a Generation Xer, Will, and when I look at kind of people describing themselves as content creator, I think to myself, well, that's what educators do all the time. If you prepare a new class, you're creating content and a lot of it's your own, even if it's based off of what somebody else researched, right? And you know, people started asking me to do public speaking or to do continuing education trainings for psychologists and counselors and things like that. And so, you know, over my 21 years as an academic, I have gotten the opportunity again and again and again to create content, to think deeply about that, and then to take that content on the road outside of the academic setting. And I find I really like that too. And so it's about taking a skill set that you already have and finding unique ways to utilize it and developing new skill sets along the way. So tell us about your consulting services. How does someone find their calling in business? Good question. And to be fair, I think I'm still finding my calling. Um, and it's been quite a process and a journey. Um, so one of the things I started doing was people have always asked me, right, once I became established in the field, to explain something, to teach something. I have a lot of students who've graduated who want me to come back and consult with them on aspects of their private practice or how to be a clinical supervisor. 
And, you know, in some ways it's more fun than, you know, I love teaching and that's fun too, but you're not as restricted. Um, and you get to take content out of the academic setting and make it really practical, which is what I really love doing it, right? I really love making something less complicated, more usable. Um, and I think that's how I got started. Um, people have always asked me, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And I almost, in the beginning, I never said no because I wanted to learn how to stretch myself. And now I'm able to sort of be select, more selective about the things I want to do. But I also love learning. Um, and when you step outside your comfort zone um, and you push yourself to learn new things, I think it's almost always beneficial. We've all experienced a lot over these past two years. And, you know, uh, hopefully everyone who's listening to this podcast has heard of the great resignation where mm -hmm. people were like, uh, this is not serving me anymore. And they're rolling out. Now, what surprised me the most being an, being an educator, making what I make, folks in the mid six figures quitting. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, comparing their salary uh, to mine. And then, you know, there are people who, they ha I don't want to say they have this boomer mindset of, I, look, I'm just going to work every day, even though they may not be happy about it. But there are people, you know, they just get stuck in a rut and maybe all of us at some point in time that may happen to us but yeah. why do you think so many people when they get up get to a point in their lives where they're not happy they're just going through the motions they're just waking up clocking in clocking out and going home every day why do you think people get to that point yeah and not work towards realizing their dreams yeah yeah. So I think we all get stuck in our careers when we do the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, I myself have experienced career burnout multiple times throughout my career. And then something happens where it it kind of forces me to think about, well, what do I want to be different? What do I really want to be doing? And sometimes it's a painful process, but then I just kind of reinvent myself. Right. I don't do the same things that I've always done. I just start to re reinvent myself or take. So, for example, I've been the program director at Lewis University for 18 years. And sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I'm still doing this. But, you know, to sort of um, we went through accreditation and I spearheaded those efforts along with a colleague of mine. And then I had to learn how to do that, right? We went online, like half of our program is online. I had no idea, Will, on how to do that. That is your background. The next time I am calling you, right? But I had no idea how to do that. So we worked with instructional designers to do that, which forced me to learn half of the content in our program, not just the things that I'd been teaching. And so I think it's easy to get stuck um, and you can use it as a motivator to do something else, to reinvent yourself, to think about what do I really want to be doing in my career? Um, or you can stay stuck. And if you stay stuck, you stop being productive in many ways because you don't want to anymore, you know. And so I think really is about sort of self-examining what do I want to be doing here? Um, and sometimes it's OK to leave. Right. Mm. I think sometimes that's just what people need to do. Um, if you're feeling unappreciated and you notice that, you know, um, your efforts aren't being valued, this isn't a good work environment anymore. 
then maybe leaving is the best thing that you can do. Mm. So as a consultant, how do you identify the gaps in your knowledge and know when to bring others in to assist you in growing your business? Yeah, this is a this is a great question. And I have been recently identifying many, many gaps in my knowledge. Um, so, for example, right, as an exer who is not that into social media, right, but being around younger people who are really good at it, I thought to myself, well, what is my end goal? And, you know, I need to um, engage more in social media. How do I do that? So I started talking to some of my students, some of the um, students who have, are alums who've graduated, and they said, well, I'll help you out. And oh my goodness, Will, they've taught me so much. There's no way I could have done that without and done it well without having younger people teach me. Um, and so my, I've noticed I have lots of gaps in my knowledge. And I always knew that I have. I just didn't even know what it was until I started sort of um, reaching out to be more of an entrepreneur. So how do I develop my own website? I know what I want it to look like, but I don't have the skill set to do that. So I worked with this very talented, um, She, I guess she's a millennial. I'm also working with some Xennials, but a millennial who was like, she sat down with me and we had really good conversations about what's current, what do I want things to look like? What do I want my brand to be? She was using me as her kind of vir virgin voyage into getting into brand work. And I was using her because she had a completely different perspective than I did. And so the, the more I dig deeper in this, the more I realize, well, I don't know how to do video editing right? What's that going to look like? I don't know how to do podcast editing. You know, I'm starting to learn that. So I think it's kind of cool to identify gaps in your knowledge because then you get to educate yourself or you get to begin to work with people you normally wouldn't who help you refine your ideas. I still don't know <laughs> what I what I want my website to look like. I'm, I keep looking at different <laughs> websites and I'm like, okay, I like this. I like this. Or too many pictures here or whatever. Yeah. And because I was talking to someone who I was going to cons uh, consult with to build my website. And she said, OK, five, five websites you like so we can get sort of a feel of what you're looking for. So I'm still trying to find my five. Uh, but with that social media, what is your process for... Mm -hmm determining what you will share and won't share because some people are like wide open with what they yep. with what they share and they even post pictures that I'm like Ooh, I'm like I'm 40 <laughs> you know I'm, I'm 40 years old I'm kind of like whoa <laughs> um but when you are looking, because you're saying you, you want to get, you know, you're learning more about social media and engaging and getting out there, building your brand. What do you say in terms of I'm going to post this if I'm here at this event, I may post these pictures or on this day, I may post myself in, the, you know, possibly in the classroom or in a meeting or whatever yeah. to build your brand. Is it something that you go from? a feel is it mm -hmm. something based upon this this is my sort of moral uh yeah. viewpoint or is it just here's a, a strategy i have developed that is systemic throughout all platforms yeah so 
another great question. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think I always knew that I wasn't going to be posting deeply personal things about myself, right? My field definitely trains you that you you don't get deeply personal because in some ways it can disrupt the relationship that my clients have with me, yeah. right? It can draw them into whatever my own personal struggles are instead of focusing on them. So I was new. I did not want to post about my children, right? I did not want to post their pictures. Um, I think generationally, I, I don't post pictures of myself because I'm like, well, why are people interested in pictures of me? But what I do post is, so I also blog on my own website, um, I write for the Black Wall Street Times um, and I post things about that. So I was I always knew I wanted to post professional things, but very genuine things. Right. And so if I notice a trend in what my clients are struggling with. Right. Um, if I notice, you know, you know, something in the world like, you know, uh, when George Floyd was murdered, right? Um, and we, I was having lots of conversations about that. Um, I will post on those things. So I will post um, sayings on Twitter of support or providing information about the stigma and mental health and questioning that um, about diverse couples. So I kind of found my own comfort zone with that. Um, when I did the TED Talk this past spring, you know, it didn't, I'm a very genuine, upfront, direct person, and it didn't feel honest to do a TED Talk without talking about how I got into couples work, which had to do with my own parents' marriage. But I didn't go too, too deep. It was important to tell that story as it related to my work, but that's probably about as personal as I'm going to get. So, you know, again, I'm I'm not an open book, but I'm open about who I am and kind of what I stand for. So how did that TED Talk come about and how does one actually prepare for a TED Talk? Oh, I I, I sigh because I will not do it again um, because it was, such, you know, you think as an academic, this is not a problem because you stand up in front of people and you teach all the time. I have an artistic side that kind of as a performer, but this was a whole different ballgame. So first of all, I applied through my university, they have been hosting TED Talks. This is their second year to do it, and mine was selected. Um, and I thought it was going to be very similar to teaching in front of a classroom. It wasn't because they had us memorize the talk, and I am not a good memorizer. I'm good at memorizing ideas and concepts and then kind of going with the flow on that. Um, but given the the timing had to be just right, I had to memorize it and then perform it. And that was a whole new ball game. It was stressful, but a great challenge and a really good thing for me to do to kind of refine what I want to do. Um, so I encourage anybody, if you're interested, there are community-based TEDx talks, and this is really a TEDx talk. Um, you know, universities do them, different community organizations do them. And if you have an idea or a message you want to put out there, they're a great way to get that across, right? So messages I want to get out there is the little we do in our romantic relationships that either enhance them or destroy them. And that's what the, the talk was about. With that and on your website, which you talk about the different uh, topics that you consult on, how do you determine which business ideas are in alignment with your purpose? Yeah. So that is 
That's another great question. And I think, again, that's something I'm still working on. I'm still learning. So, you know, going back to um, when I officially started the website and all that, that was probably about two years ago. So I was already doing corporate presenting and some other things. And finally, I was like, I need to get all this stuff together in one place. Um, and I was working with this talented millennial um, who sat me down and we really talked about what I wanted to do and refined it over time. So, you know, when I first started, I was interested in talking about mental health issues in the African-American community. But I realized there are already a lot of psychologists, talented psychologists out there doing that. And what they were saying are things that I would already say. Um, they were already doing a good job and I didn't see where I had more to add there. And I thought one of the things that I'm really passionate about is helping people have better relationships because they're not skills that we learn. And I'm especially passionate about black couples, diverse couples, LGBTQIA plus couples, because they are not the conversations I have with the couples that I see in counseling um, have to do with race and have to do with uh, gender issues. All these things that we don't see on reality shows that couples are talking about uh, for the health of the relationships, at least that I'm seeing, these are the deep conversations. And so I began to refine sort of my own niche. So over time, um, back to your question, I had to refine what I was posting about. I had to refine it. And I think I will continue to refine it still, but that's where I am right now. And that's what's really important to me. Mm, that is all right. I, you know, I, as a topic, romantic relationships are like my jam. But I don't, again, I don't have your, you know, your background. I don't have, I don't know the research. It's just, you know, I used to, I used to watch what was this TV show? Uh, ooh, it was, it was on OWN, and it was like, uh, not Black Love, but it was they would take these black singles in these different specific cities. Yes. And sort of getting them to uh, find love. Yes. Right. And I was watching, you know, the first couple of seasons, I'm like, okay, this is okay. So, I'm looking forward to this. Okay. This is all right. It's all right. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I don't know what y'all, I don't know what y'all doing, you know, because I know we as individuals, you like what you like. You are yeah. attracted to what you are attracted to. But if to me, and again, I'm not a therapist, but if you're 35, you might want to readjust some stuff. Because, you know what I'm saying? Because in my mind, it's like, if you've been dating the same type of situation, now you're 35, you might want to go, you know what? I might want to do a little something a little different. Now, I may have been going after this type of person but this type of person i'm still 35 yeah but isn't it fascinating though yeah. right the question of why see i'm getting <laughs> excited now the question yes. of, well, why do you do that what's that about right what's behind that right and i think that we're not actually taught to have healthy relationships it's a skill that you develop over your entire lifespan right as you change um and so you have to say this 35 year old why are they still engaging in the same behavior that's not successful, 
right? And so, you know, in counseling, I would get to work with that person to look at the patterns of, of their lives, their relationship expectations. And then by the way, when you add a couple, so when you, when you have now two people in the room, you have to do that with both of them, right? And it is, it's literally like walking on a tightrope. One minute things are going well, and the other like, oh, they're definitely breaking up. And then they're not breaking up. I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating. It's fascinating. And these shows are interesting because they allow you to sort of look at all of these behaviors. I know, you know, reality shows, you know, they do some manipulation of some of the couples and things like that, but they're still really interesting to watch, which is why we keep reinventing the wheel. But what I don't see on these shows, which is why I think that this is really my niche and my passion is they're not having conversations about race. They're not having conversations about culture. They're not having conversations about some of these oppressive influences that impact their relationship, either consciously or unconscious. And those are the conversations that I will often have with my own couples. That's all right. Oh, the show is ready for love, ready for love. And I'm like, look, this Miami, I saw the first episode and I was like, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this anymore. it's giving me, you know, I've already have high blood pressure. It's messing with my pressure now <laughs> because I'm like, what are you like? What are you doing? You know, like, um, like both my parents are divorced. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I'm blessed. I've been married 19 years. Wonderful. Yes, and so I met my wife when she was 19. Okay. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I was I was already out of college and working, but she was, was still in school. But over the years, we have just been able to Well, first, of course, we, you know, like each other. It was all, you know, all good. I, I enjoy spending time with her. You know, I've told someone I could be at the grocery store with her and I'm having a blast, you know, I'm because I'm oh, that's a, that's spending time with her. But. I mean, as you know, no one is the same person at 19. That's right. As are at 40. Right. She's 40 now. Yep, and so right. you have to give space for that person to grow and evolve as you are doing the same way. You can't expect them to be the same person. And with that, you know, and you also got 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 to know, you know, when to say something and when not to. Right? Some stuff yeah. may bother you, but it's really small. So yeah. for you to even say something, just. <laughs> But that requires a lot of maturity. Right. And, you know, I I heard you mention that, you know, the same person who you were at 19 is not who you are at 40 is not who you are at 60, which is really important. But no one can tell you that when you say I do or when you and your partner get together in a long term relationship, because nobody actually believes that. (laughs) Right. We all believe. Right. We may theoretically think, well, this will this will change, but we don't know what it changed until we are in it. And there's a lot of research out there now on the gray divorce. Have you heard of this? Oh, no, I have not. Yes. Gray divorces were when couples are divorcing, when the kids are out of the house. Right. And they look at each other like "Mm, we don't have anything in common anymore. And I don't want to be miserable. um, So we're divorcing. So I have a lot of couples on my caseload and individuals who are in their 50s and 60s who are calling it quits. Um, And I used to think, right, as a naive young person back in the day that 
oh, if you if you've been together 10, 15, 20 years, you've got it made in the shade. And that's not true. Um, it's true that your relationship always takes work and effort and that effort will pay off, especially if both of you do it together and collaboratively. But, you know, if you don't water your relationship, it will not grow regardless of the age and stage that you are in life. I hear you. I hear you. You know, we just started our thing off a little differently. And, and you know, again, you know, you're the expert. I just see so many people put a lot of effort into the wedding uh-huh. and not into the life that they're yep. going to build together. Right. And so I don't, I don't know. You know, again, we, we watch these shows sometimes. I'm like, oh, you spending that much on the wedding? <laughs> I said, you know what? You could buy you a house with that and start to build a life together x y and z you know maybe again i'm old i'm cheap i don't know but <laughs> well think of the reality shows though that are yeah. out there about couples right um you know what is it it's uh love at first sight i'm gonna yeah. get the name wrong i don't know if it's love at first sight but when they meet at the wedding so they have this beautiful wedding and and uh love is blind is another one those are the parts that are sort of hyped up to have beautiful wedding um and then start your relationship and there's a whole lot that you don't know about this other person right you know i myself have been married for 12 years and have three beautiful children and my husband and i we learn about each other all the time um and so relationships take a kind of maturity um honesty good timing um and a desire to work on it. And I don't know a couple yet, you know, and I do talk about this in my TED talk where you look at one another, you think to yourself, I don't really like you very much right now. Um, you know, and so those moments of emotional connection with your partner and emotional disconnection, long-term relationships are full of them. And so, you know, put your seatbelt on, you're in for a hell of a ride. Um, and I think that even, you know, as people sort of get into long-term relationships, you don't really know that. Uh, you may know it up here in your head, but you don't know it um, uh, until you're living it, until you're living the emotional consequences of that. It's not for the faint of heart. Hey, no doubt. I, I, you know, like I said, I enjoy, you know, a good little, a little show myself, you know, but <laughs> I, again, I, you know, I'm not a therapist and I can't be one because I couldn't do the process. I would have to tell somebody, look, you need to stop. <laughs> But that doesn't work. <laughs> I know it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work. And the, and the process, of course, you know, I'm a psychologist, so I'm biased. The process is fascinating. Getting people to be connected again, vulnerable with one another, develop trust, heal past hurts, and help them build the kind of relationship they want with one another. Um, and, you know, as you said, it is a process. And... You know, I mean, if I could just say, well, do X, Y and Z and fix it, then I would be out of a job real quick. Um, and, you know, if I do my job well and collaborate with my couples, then I will be out of a job. And that's the goal in some ways that, you know, I get to help people along the way and then they learn a set of skills and develop a set of insights and then they can help themselves. But I'm still in love with it. Right. I'm still in love with psychology. Um, I, you know, ever since I was a kid, I loved it. I still love it now. Um, I just like to find new avenues to uh, practice it, consult with it, do all kinds of things. And psychology is flexible enough that I get to do that on multiple levels 
at any given period of time. So I also consult with mental health agencies. Um, I'm a clinical supervisor and I teach people how to do that. And I just I just love kind of being able to pull those pieces together in completely different ways. Mm. So you are an educator as well as a therapist and this show, you know, features uh, educators and we're and I'm all about creating multiple streams of income. Yes. What are some of the some creative revenue streams for therapists? Mm -hmm. So and depending on your niche, um, continuing education credits. So um, I was just approached by kind of a, a, a national organization, if you will. Um, and, at, you know, he found me on social media and he asked me, um, given my background and he saw my website and saw what I've done, if I would actually, he saw a blog post that I wrote for my university. And he said, you know, would you be willing to do a three hour training on this topic? And I thought, I don't know if I can get three hours out of that topic, but I can do trainings in these areas. Right. And so, um, through social media, through my website, um, I've been able to uh, do continuing education credits and get paid for that, speaking opportunities. Um, people reach out to me to consult with, well, what are the educational needs of my private practice of my staff, right? Especially if they have pre-licensed staff. Um, you know, I'm in the state of Illinois, so there are two different stages of licensure. So I of often work with sort of build out their educational needs if they have um, clinicians who are lacking in certain areas. Um, and so uh, continuation credits, clinical supervision, um, corporate speaking, um, these are, and again, developing a very particular niche. These are all ways that um, uh, therapists uh, can, you know, have different uh, streams of income. So, hey, I'm all about it, all about it. Uh, so before we go, Doc, what is your call to action uh, for educators who feel restless? Yep. But they can't seem to figure out why. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to do the psychologist thing now, right? I think it's about self-introspection, right? Like, go inside of yourself and think about what, what was I passionate about? Am I still passionate about that? And what do I want to do with that passion? I really think that social media, um, being able to do things by Zoom has created opportunities for all of us if we just kind of try to figure out what we want to do. So really, it's about adding on to what you're doing or changing what you're doing. But you have to know yourself, right? And so the things that I was passionate about 10 years ago, some of that has changed, right? And I really had to sort of, you know, start talking to other people, really had to kind of get in touch with myself about what I wanted to do, directions I want to go and and try it. I I think that entrepreneurship, I, I really sometimes feel like it's, it's like taking spaghetti and sometimes throwing it against the wall to see what sticks, right? And so I will post something and nobody will say anything or a bunch of people will say something. What is the theme in what people are liking? What is the theme in what people are interested in knowing? And so the topics in psychology that I talk about with my students every day are also really beneficial for the lay public, right? And so I'm still passionate about doing that, but I really have a need to 
take what I do in academia and make it more accessible to the lay public and and branch out outside of training just clinicians. And so it's important, I think, for all of us to continue to reinvent ourselves, to figure out what your passion is, right? And maybe it's not academia anymore. You don't have to stay. Um, you can sort of start dipping your toe into other areas, but networking with people, right, is important. I was like, how do I do that? Well, uh, LinkedIn is really a great source of networking. Lots of people have reached out to me on LinkedIn, um, and I've reached out to a lot of other people. Uh, Dr. Will, you asked me to be on your wonderful podcast. Like, that's another opportunity. So if you're burned out and people are asking you to do things, stretch yourself into different opportunities. Start saying yes again to things that you think you might be interested in to see where it goes and how you can grow. That is all. I love, I love that. I love that. I am now really going through a process of self-awareness yeah. to figure out what's next for me. This is my 10th year doing my job. Yes. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of itching like, mm, what else is out there for me? And it's not that I dislike the job. It's just that yeah. I uh, intellectually. Yep. Right. I need another challenge and there are other things that I want to pursue. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what will that look like? What skills uh, do I have? What areas of growth uh, do I do I have? I mean, I understand that we all have, you know, sort of areas and blinders, but from the research I've done, the, you will only, there's only so much growth you can have in an area. Your greatest growth would always come from your strengths. Sure. Right? So I'm sure. trying to figure out, okay, how do I maximize the strengths and kind of look at some areas I can kind of grow from and then yeah. sort of figure out how does that look like? Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I'm just ready. Ready to do a little, little, <laughs> little something, something. I really but you've wanna... got this great podcast, right, that you created and you have quite a following. So you've got your own significant entrepreneur spirit that serves you well because you want to keep growing and stretching yourself. Like, you know, cause you've been doing this podcast for a long time. Yeah. 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 You know, and I enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, look, I could do, if I could do this full time, I, you know, I would, but you know, it's just that I also want to stay involved, uh, you know, in education. I mean, you know, it, you don't get a doctorate overnight. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't want to be like, yo, I'm out of here. Uh, I, so I, because I still enjoy that side. I went to a conference this summer and sat in for the first time. It was an tech conference. So I sat in for the first time on the research side. And I actually uh, participated uh, in a panel on the research. OK. I, and so I was like, yo, this is I'm loving this this is nice. The only downside to that is in talking to the people that I I know some folks who work in academia and on Facebook there's some people posting who work in academia and I'm like I don't like to pay <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like what uh, you know I'm not balling 
but yeah. I'm making more than what some of these people are talking about. And I'm like, oh. But I, I think you said something really important. You went to a conference and something excited you. Yes. Right. And so how do you that's a spark, right, where you sort of take, well, what excited me and what do I want to do with that excitement? Um, who do I want to reach out to? I think one of the things that I initially struggle with is reaching out to strangers and asking them for help or asking them for mentorship because I was like, uh, who's going to respond to me? And I was surprised at the number of people I reached out to who were like, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. And maybe they just pass on another name to you. Maybe they don't respond. But, you know, I got interviewed, I don't know, a year or so ago for this Black Wall Street Times article. And I said to him, hey, would you be interested in having someone write about mental health? I'd love to do that. And he surprised me by saying, oh, yeah, we'd love for you to do that. And I was like, great. Right. And so it's about figuring out, like, you went to this conference. It sparked an interest. What do I want to do with that? Maybe I don't salary. Right. Um, I think it's also about when do I give away my time and then when do I charge for my time? In the beginning, when you're trying to learn a skill, you have to give away some of your time to learn that skill, to make connections. And then when you become established, you don't give away your time anymore. Now you can charge for your time. So, you know, I'm still learning a lot. I really am. Um, and it's been it's sometimes it's frustrating because, you know, nothing ever moves as fast as we want it to. Um, but I'm learning so much. Yeah. I charge for my time. <laughs> I do. I do, too. But it depends on what for. <laughs> Maybe that's just the difference between our fields. Man, mm, look, I'm I, doc, I, I'm at a point now where and I put a documentary out a few years ago called The Entrepreneur. Right. You get it on Amazon Prime or Vimeo on demand. And one of the people I interviewed in the podcast, you know, she she wasn't. I mean, in in the documentary, spoke about how you don't pay me for my time; you pay me for the years of experience that I bring. Mm -hmm. And so, when I thought about that, I said, "Hmm, that you know, I was already charging people to write articles, yeah, um, and to do." presentations and, and speaking all that before then. But when she said that, I was like, you know what? That's for real. So when I had yeah. a conference reach out to me and said, we want you to uh, do a presentation on podcasting. Yeah. And I said, well, what's, what are your rates? Well, we don't pay. I said, well, you know what? How about a panel? I can host a panel discussion for you for free mm -hmm. and then they came back to me and said we want you to do a session and i was like listen mm -hmm. hosting a panel i can do that quite easily but when you want me to lead a session at your conference yep you're talking about me putting in not only my time but me putting in all of my years of experience as a podcaster, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not doing that for free. Well, see, I think the difference is they reached out to you, right? And you are experienced at this, right? And so, of course, you wouldn't give away your time. But if I go back to when I was maybe 30, right? And maybe at 30, and I don't even remember, but I, at 30, 
you know, I'd never done a corporate presentation, right? And I contact them to get some experience under my belt, right? So that I can put it down on my veto or on my credentials so that, you know, 10, 20 years later, I have this history of uh, corporate presenting and then I wouldn't give away my time. So you're an expert podcaster. You've been doing this a long time. They reached out to you, of course, for your time. Um, you know, so I think it's about learning those things and early in your career, right, which you are not early in your career, you know, as I, you know, as I talk about professional development with my students, you have to give away some time because you're still learning your craft, right? And that's how you do it. You're making connections, you're learning your, your craft so that by the time you are mid career or you've developed an issue, you're not, you're able to monetize what you're doing, right? But if you're just grabbing. Uh, with your doctorate and you're like, okay, now I'm going to charge you $2,000 for me to speak. And you're just learning that skill. Good luck. Hey, I always say I'm just different. You know, I'm just different. I, mm -hmm. I look, my, my ideas about money, uh, you know, are just totally different. And it, and that's when, and I've never, and that's what I want to find a therapist who focuses on money. The psychology of money. Who actually does? Oh, I know one. Oh, hey, she just put, wrote a book too. Hey, if you can connect us, so I can get her on I the will. show, right? Because so many people are triggered by issues with money and have their, own, you know, have these yes. different ideas, right? And so it took me a while to sort of get get over the hump of charging, but once I got over that, yeah, I was like, oh. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah, she just wrote a book. Her name is Joyce Martyr. And I she's going to kill me because I don't remember the title, but it is on the psychology of money um, and how like sometimes if you have uh, trouble charging, what that might be about for you. So I will definitely hook you up with her. She uh, is one who I reached out to when I was starting my own entrepreneur thing because she's done a, a great job. You know, she's, you know, doing a lot of corporate presenting. And I thought, look at all the things that she's doing. I wonder if she'd be willing to lend an ear. And she began to connect me to all of these amazing people um, in her network so that I could get more experience uh, being a guest on people's podcasts and, you know, developing sort of my own thing. So she's great. So I'm happy to um, uh, ha have the two of you meet because she she's she'll be another good guest for you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Doc, for coming on. You you you're awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I hope to be back sometime. Yes. No, for real. No doubt. I You know, I. I I, I want to have you back on to talk specifically about romantic relationships, because, again, I find the topic fascinating. And, you know, I watched again, I I watch I watch all these shows. Well, not all these shows, but I watch these shows and I'm like, you know, e e even the 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 married at first sight. I'm looking at them going like y'all ain't got the right experts. <laughs> you ain't got well, the maybe right you can put in a plug for me. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know why they don't have someone like you. They don't have yeah. someone like you or have someone who is experienced. Yeah. I I don't disagree with you. In, I don't disagree in, with you. in the matchmaking process, right? Maybe someone who comes from an Indian or African or uh, another Eastern background where, you know, 
arranged marriages coming. So these yep. people have a different perspective of how do you arrange couples? It seemed like I'm not saying they just threw people together. Yeah. But it just seemed like, OK, you got a credential. Yeah. Let's well, maybe we in. can uh, dissect some of those episodes together. <laughs> yes. Yes. That'd be awesome. Doc, okay. It's been amazing uh, have, speaking with you today. And I'm very interested in releasing this podcast. Thanks again. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and share it with your network. And though I am on all major podcast platforms, I'm trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So I need you to not only listen, but I need you to leave a rating or a comment because I'm trying to get Jay-Z on the show and i want him to know that we're doing big things around here again i'd like to thank my guest dr Catherine helm for coming on and dropping so many gems and for you for checking out another episode of the dr will show the mobile university of entrepreneurs as always people invest in you edu peace mm-hmm.